Morning, church. I love this. What a great hymn that is. Is Jesus enough for you? Okay, before I get started, the passage we're reading today, there have been myriads of books written about it, and I am not pretending to tell you that I know all there is to say about this passage. I think we could study this passage until we get to glory and we'll still be learning stuff all the time. What I've tried to do and attempted to do with this passage is to make it as simple for me and as simple for you as possible. As delicate as the subject matter is, I want you to know I love you and I just want to share with you the beauty of God's precious word this morning. So as Paul moves from chapters 1 and 2 into chapters 3 and 4, he zeroes in on our individual lives, on the individual lives as church members at Colossae and here at Wingham Baptist Church. We've seen, as we've studied through this book, the biblical evidence that Jesus Christ is the supreme creator and redeemer above all things. In chapter 3, Paul brings Christ into our personal lives. He tells us how Christ impacts our lives. Today, in our passage, Paul tells us what happens when Christ comes into our homes. Not the building or the stuff of life that we're so fulfilled we're trying to fill it up with, but the very relationships within our homes that make a home a home. Now this will be my first ever attempt at a three-point sermon, so please bear with me. Let's buckle up, as I say, as we sit down and let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and minds. Let's worship him today as we study his word with a whole soul, mind and strength, with the helmet of salvation firmly on our heads, the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit as our chosen weapon as we stand and fight in the world that we live in right now, studying this precious word. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for your grace and mercy in giving it to us and gifting it to us. Thank you, Lord, for the awesome power of your Holy Spirit as you bore along holy men, as your word says to us, as they were inspired by your precious self by your precious nature, as we hold in our hands the inspired, very living word of God. It's such a responsibility, Lord, to preach and teach your word. Pray, Lord, you will forgive me my sin, that you'll put the cross before me as I preach your word this morning, that people will see the Lord Jesus and not the preacher that someone this very special day, even as people listen online, would seek and find the Lord Jesus Christ as their precious Lord and Saviour this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Point one, we've already had a bit of frivolity as we've talked about husbands and wives and who submits and who doesn't. So there are no rumblings or thunderclouds out there right now, so I think we're right at the moment. Ian, look out. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) Husbands and wives. 
Paul starts with the central relationship in the home. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, as I said, oh boy, I am well aware that a multitude of books and treaties have been written just on this very verse alone. That fact in and of itself should be enough for any wise scholar of scripture seeking to rightly divide the word of truth to be cautionary and delicate in handling of this subject matter. My desire for you all, my brothers and sisters, in delving into this verse is that we all learn something new from God's precious word today. Notice that Paul does not say to wives, obey. He does not say obey. The word of God does not say obey. In the two following points, we will see that obey is used for children and servants and for the context and the relevance of where we are today, let's say employers and employees as well. Okay, now submit can mean a subservient obedience, or we would say even a blind obedience, let's say. Paul uses a different word here for obey as he does with the servants, children, masters, etc., to the wife. I do not profess to be a Greek scholar, so I'm not even going to attempt to use the word, but the Greek word means like a co-equal or I use, uh, I actually, actually here's a good one. I found um, Peter uses the phrase a co-heir in fact. He uses this term in 1 Peter 3, 7 as heirs together of the grace of life. So ladies, please, un please understand, I'm talking to the ladies right now, you are not under the controlling dominion of your husband's. The only one who is your Lord is your Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Who, as we have learned, as we've studied this book, is supreme over and above all. Jesus Christ is supreme over and above all and he is your one and only Lord. And also being as delicate as I can, not all of us, who are married, husbands and wives, have spouses, husbands and wives, who know and love the Lord. And I know that is a great pain to those of you who have partners in your life who don't love the Lord Jesus. Yet, great big capital Y underlined in red. As a church, we need to remember our church family members who have partners who don't love the Lord Jesus yet, and we need to be in continual prayer for our church family members. Mm. Ladies, Peter writes beautifully in his chapter to how to behave with unsaved marriage partners. In my King James, which I know you all know I love very much, <laughs> he uses the word conversation, your conversation, meaning your very walk. Paul uses the word walk in our attitude and our way or grace of life, how we go about our lives. 
Great is your very actions, the way you live your life. With reverence to Christ first, thereby you may win your man to Jesus or your wife to Jesus. Just by what you do, not so much as by what you say. But in this verse of submission, there is a qualifying phrase that should be printed in bold capital letters. The qualifying phrase is this. Ladies, submit to your husbands. Here comes the qualifier. As is fitting in the Lord. So in the context of a collective submission to Jesus Christ, the wife and the husband, let's just say if the wife would say to if the husband would say to the wife in a contrary way, let's do this and that that was not worthy of a godly Christian marriage, that the wife knew was leading them down an ungodly path was not biblical and not correct. With all the delicateness I can say to you, the wife is not subject then to her husband to follow him or obey. As is fitting in the Lord is the qualifier. This is because the husband is not the wife's Lord. Jesus Christ is. She is called, first and foremost, to follow Jesus. If Christ has called her to marriage, then as her husband brings the relationship and the household into following Christ, then she can follow this godly lead as a godly co-equal partner with her husband, both of whom are submissive to the Lord. Point two. I'm glad that one's out of the way. Men, and to me too. I'm going to digress. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to digress. The reason I stand here as a single divorced man is because I didn't do this. I was not godly, and I was not loving, and I was not faithful to my Lord. That's why I stand here alone, with no wife at home. So men, please, I do not want you to end up in the same position I'm in. As happy as I am now, and as fully restored to my Heavenly Father as I am now. And I'm so joyous in the restored relationship with my Lord and Saviour, the Lord Jesus, I could explode with joy. But just imagine how perfect and wonderful my relationship with my Lord would be if I remained a faithful, honest, stable and loving husband. Men, just think about that. And those of you that are struggling in your marriages, and I'm trying to be as delicate as I can, please speak to me. Unfortunately, I have more experience in this area than you could ever imagine. And I would love to talk with you and pray with you not as an expert at all, but as a failed man, fully restored because of the mercy, love and grace of the Lord Jesus.
men, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Brothers, first and foremost, this is a command. It's not an option for your consideration. It is a command from the inspired word of God. Not from Wally, not from one of your church family members, from the Lord Christ himself. It is a directive to be obeyed, period. No debate. There is an awful lot of pain and suffering to come your way, my brothers in Christ, married men of our congregation, if you do not do this. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with the Lord if you want to argue. If you want to argue the chase with God Almighty, good luck with that. Because you will end up in the same position I'm in. Men, please take note and think on this. The love here to be shown to your wife, Paul uses the word agape love. It's probably not the right pronunciation, but that's how I've heard it said. But agape love is not self-serving. Agape love, using Jesus Christ as the template, is a self-sacrificial love. Something that was an anathema to the society that Paul is, Paul is writing to at the time of this letter, to the Greco-Roman Empire of the day. This type of love shown towards one's wife was not something that was familiar to the societal norms of the day. And in fact, I'd probably go as far as to say it's probably not so far. It's probably not normal in our world now, is it? In the Greco-Roman era of Colossae, the husband very much was considered to be the final word in how the home was run, literally having the power over life and death within the household. But agape love puts others first. This was unique in the context of the world in which Paul was writing. So unique, it was radically world-changing. something that the powers to be in Paul's day were dead set against because it changed the way society was run. Even the governing bodies of Paul's, Paul's day did not like the uniqueness of Christ-like love in the home. Can you believe that? So the wife, as a co-equal in the marriage, receives from the husband a love that is shaped by the love that is demonstrated in and through the person of the Lord Jesus. Again, as we've seen through this book of Colossians, when this happens, we see both partners, co-equal together, putting Jesus first, united in him in their love for each other and the love for the Lord, they demonstrate again to all who can see the supremacy of Jesus. How amazing is that? And I don't think anyone in this room, unfortunately, can ever say they've seen a perfect marriage work out as perfectly as Paul is trying to say here. We are not perfect. We all fall down. But so long as we put Christ first, he will always have the preeminence and we will make him supreme. Point three, what I've done with point three, I've wrapped up the servants and the masters and the slaves and etc. all in the one 
point, just to make it easier for me. <laughs> children, there are children listening online, hopefully, probably not many little children here, but we have all been children at one stage. And to our Heavenly Father, we are his children, yes? Children, obey your parents, period. Obey your parents, period. Children, obey your parents. In this wokey world, it's probably not even legal to say such a thing. Children, obey your parents. It's the word of God. I base everything I do, everything I say, I base my life on this precious book. It is never wrong. My brothers and sisters of Wingham Baptist Church, sometimes if we just read the passage that we have for the message of the day and we only read the scriptures and go home, at least we know we've done something right. God's word is never wrong. It is always true. And as much as people want to disprove it, it has never been disproved ever and it never will be. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. It's probably 4.3, only just worth reading that verse. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Having in mind Colossians 3, there is neither Greek nor Jew, bond nor free, and let's throw in for our time and place right now, employer and employee, all are one in Christ. Now, children, even the little ones listening online, as long as you are living in your parents' house and your parents are your parents, obey your parents, period. And if you've just turned 18 and you're thinking in your mind, well, I'm an adult now, I can do as I like, think about this. Jesus obeyed his earthly parents and was subject to them in the home. Does that not qualify something to you in your mind right now? The very Lord of glory who spoke this place into existence. He fully fulfilled the law. He fully fulfilled all the prophets. He fully will fulfill everything he has ever said. He obeyed his parents. He obeyed his mother. He worked for his father. And by doing so, he glorified his heavenly father in heaven. Do you not find that amazing? This final point to children and masters and servants is summed up in five words. For this pleases the Lord. Obey. For this pleases the Lord. Servants and employees, don't be a show pony or an eye service worker only doing your hardest effort just because your boss is watching you. Our passage tells you and me, you are serving the Lord Christ, not your boss. 
Yes, and even the employers who are complete plonkers, who are not honouring their Lord. The Bible tells us to work diligently as to the Lord, for this is pleasing to the Lord. This is the word of God saying this, not me. You are honouring Christ. Verse 24, for you serve the Lord Christ. And for those of you who are fortunate enough to be in business and have employees, make sure you have this in mind also. Treat your workers fairly. Pay them fairly. And paraphrasing Paul, if you don't, you'll get yours. God is watching you. We are fortunate in this beautiful country, are we not? We have all sorts of awards and protections to look after employers and employees. Brothers and sisters, we are under the very authority of the word of God. Listen to what the Lord says. You have a master in heaven who you are subject to. You and I, we have a master in heaven who is our heavenly father. And we are subject to him. So point one, in the home, the central family relationship as co-equals honouring Christ as is fitting in the Lord, wives, submit to your husbands. Remember, wives, as is fitting in the Lord, as your co-equal, loving, one partner together in Christ. Point two, men, husbands, you are commanded. Listen up, men, this is a command. Love your wives in a Christ-centred, agape, sacrificial love. Point three, children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Masters and employees, know that you have a master in heaven who is watching you. So in submissive love to our Lord, honour each other, for this pleases the Lord. Also knowing that those who wrong us will be dealt with by our Lord, honouring him first and foremost in our relationships, in our homes, to our husbands, to our wives, to our children, to our employers and our employees. In doing this, we again make Jesus Christ supreme. Thank you.